Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. All right, we are here to talk about our first allergy spiel, and it is going to be about something that I feel like a lot of people get nervous to bring up to their clients, and rightfully so. It can be something that clients get really defensive about, and that is flea prevention. You know, it can be really difficult for some clients to understand the importance of flea prevention, and I think part of the problem is the expectation that we visually have to see these parasites in order for them to be a problem. And, you know, that's one of the things we're going to talk about that I discuss with owners is that there is this defense mechanism of, I have fleas, I am dirty, I am bad. And that is not the case. Fleas are just, depending on where you are geographically, they're just kind of everywhere, unfortunately. So, you know, a couple of tips that I have when I start, say I have a case now think about in our dogs, our primary distribution is going to be caudal, right? So the rump, tail head. But don't forget, we always think rump, tail head, dorsal lumbar sacral region. But also the belly, inner thighs, groin. A lot of my dogs will sit there and like corn cob their belly while we're sitting there in the exam room. So anything kind of back half of the body. And remember that dogs with atopic dermatitis are genetically predisposed to have flea allergy dermatitis. So where I live in Portland, Oregon, we have certain times of the year where we get surges of fleas, but we have fleas year round. We just don't freeze enough. We're not dry enough for them to fully go away. You know, certain other areas like, you know, Colorado or Arizona, they might not have fleas be a huge issue. But where I'm at, we basically need uh, dogs and cats to be on flea prevention, good quality flea prevention year round. In any of my dogs or cats who are atopic, I always explain to the owners that they're genetically predisposed to have flea allergy too. So, you know, let's just cover our bases and make sure they're on good quality flea control. So if they flare, that's out of the equation of being a concern because we have the prevention consistent year round. So the couple tips that I have to start this allergy spiel. Um, I always start out by saying, you know, a flea allergy dermatitis is much different than a flea infestation. People automatically want to think, oh, don't say fleas. I don't see fleas. There's no fleas. Like fleas are just kind of ubiquitous in our environment here where I live. They're prevalent in our environment. And really, you're not having an infestation because actually pets who have infestations, their pattern of distribution is different. They don't necessarily just go for the back half of the body. They're just itchy everywhere because they're literally infested with fleas. Um, and a lot of times owners will say, well, how can it be, you know, flea or flea allergies if my other pet's not itchy? And I explain that very similar to, you know, if two people are standing in a field and one person has a bee sensitivity and one person doesn't because either they have friends who have insect allergies or they've seen movies where there's been um, insect allergies, people understand that exposure if your immune system overreacts is different. So if we're standing in a field and we both get stung by a bee, 
I'm not allergic. I say, oh, you know, that's annoying. I got stung by a bee. But a person, if you're allergic and you're sitting there getting stung by a bee, your body can actually go into anaphylaxis. We don't tend to see anaphylaxis with flea allergy dermatitis, but it's just exhibiting the difference our immune systems can have with the same exposure. Same with atopic dermatitis, right? It's just the body's immune system overreacting to something that a normal, quote unquote, dog's or cat's immune system would not overreact to. Same with flea, to be honest. Uh, most dogs and cats could have some minimal flea exposure and they don't really get that itchy. They truly have to have an infestation. But if your immune system overreacts, that minimal exposure can actually cause a lot of issues. So I, I like to just flat out say there's a difference between infestation and flea allergy because people automatically get defensive thinking, I don't have fleas. That means I don't keep care of my environment or my home. So it's just a way that we can get around the stigma of flea infestation. That's the only reason that my pet would have an issue with fleas. Um, going back to kind of our patterns, remember cats, that's where fleas want to be. The most common flea is literally a cat flea. They want to be on cats. Cats can get really itchy anywhere with flea allergy dermatitis. We can still see that caudal uh, back half of the body, but we also can see a lot of head and neck scratching. So fleas and ectoparasites and cats can cause a lot of head and neck scratching too. Um, so can food allergy, but I always like to rule out flea allergy in cats if they're doing a lot of head and neck scratching or if they're just generally itchy. So we can see some, some differences but some similarities between the patterns of distribution between these pets. Um, when I also talk to owners, you know, I talk about here's the main things we're looking at as far as allergies go. Ectoparasite or flea allergy, food allergy, and environmental allergy. Now, the reality is the top two, ectoparasite and food, can take time to diagnose but are controllable. Before we set your pet up for something like allergy testing and really having to manage something lifelong that is not as easily to, as easy to control, which would be environmental allergies, right? You can only control the environment so much unless you move. We want to make sure we have completely controlled the controllable. And so whether that's doing a diet trial, which we're going to talk about next week, or flea control, I want those out of the equation so I know what's left. And a lot of times what we see with these pets is there's multiple allergies. So maybe the dog truly also, I'm concerned, has atopic dermatitis, but if 40% of that, say their pruritus is from an itch I, that's from flea allergy, and I don't control that... I'm going to really struggle to get that pet fully under control with my therapy. We're going to struggle with infections more often than we need to. So that's the other thing I take the time to explain to owners is, yeah, you, you, there's a good chance it's not just a flea allergy. However, it could be a portion of the problem and we are going to struggle with things like resistant infection if we don't make sure we have that under control. So that's something that I also make sure to talk to owners about. Flea life cycle. And I'm not saying I dive into all of these details with every owner. Some people are, you know, willing to jump in right away. But I just want you guys to have some ideas if I have someone who's really resistant what we talk about. So say they're using like an over-the-counter product that I don't think is really uh, a great option to fully control the flea population. We also talk about the different stages of the flea life cycle. And I might not completely dive into all four stages and, you know, time frame and things like that. But I just mentioned that if an adult, you know, female takes a feed off of a pet, a blood mill, within a day or two, they can lay eggs and like up to 50 eggs a day. And so the problem with some of the products that aren't as good is that they might only affect one area of the flea life cycle. So if you just keep getting rid of the adults every month, 
that might help a little bit, but if there's, you know, thousands of A's in the environment that are never getting affected or the speed of kill of that particular product's not good enough, it's not going to fully control the environment. And there's studies that go, that show in environments that you don't even see fleas on pets, there can be, you know, eggs in crevices and furniture and carpet. And so unfortunately, and I just, I empathize with owners. I get it. You don't visually see them. I'm asking you to treat something you're not visually seeing. But based on my experience, what we know is these pets in our environment can be really sensitive to exposure. And I want to make sure we eliminate that as a concern because of all the other medications and things that we have to manage along the way. The other thing that's great, because most of the time I'm going to recommend an isoxazoline. So in dogs, it's going to be Nexgard, Simperica, Brevecto, or Cordelio. And that include like, you know, Simperica Trio and things like that. And then cats, it's going to be Simperica, or sorry, Revolution Plus. The plus being important because that's Seriloner. Revolution on its own is a good flea control in cats, but the plus adds the Seriloner, which also gets other ectoparasites. Brevecto in cats and Cordelio in cats. And why is that important? The other thing I spin with the isoxazolines is I'm not only ruling out fleas, but all ectoparasites really, because we know that, you know, mites and lice and chylotiella from what the literature shows us should really be affected by these products. So essentially, I'm not just focusing on the fleas, I'm focusing on ectoparasite prevention as a whole. So I'm making sure that anything that we cannot see that is easy to control, we are controlling. And now the flip side that I spin that with as well for owners, that also means other pets in the household. And this is really important. I've had dogs come in with very obviously obvious flea allergy dermatitis. They're on good flea control, but I start asking about, you know, the cats in the environment and say they're indoor cats and they're not on anything because they never go outside, which is a common misconception. Um, that can often feed onto the allergic pet. We're not controlling that environment. And so I explain that to owners as well. Fleas make their way indoors. You know, they come in when we open doors, they come in through the cracks and crevices, they come in through, you know, animals after they go outside to go to the bathroom and they live in the environment. They don't just see the door and say, oh no, sorry, I can't come inside. And so it's really important that we keep all animals in the household on good flea prevention. And most of that is to limit that pet from being exposed. And again, I kind of go back to that bee allergy phenomenon. Your other pets might not be itchy because you clearly don't have an infestation. And I'll say that to owners almost as, as a sense of relief. You don't have an infestation but you might have a very sensitive pet that is reacting to things that a normal pet would not react to if they got exposed to it. And so that's really important. And so we talk about the environment. We talk about the fact that, yes, we're treating, we just acknowledge it. We're treating the things that we cannot see because you don't have an infestation, but you may just have a pet who's very, very sensitive. We talk about the importance of the quality products, um, mostly isoxazolines, because we also get to control all ectoparasites, which is going to be very beneficial to rule that out, right? You know, so we're, we've rolled out scabies, we've rolled out all these other things that can be really itchy in these pets. So we can focus if that doesn't fully control the issue on the other things to manage that pet whether it's a diet trial, whether it's managing atopic dermatitis. But we cannot not control, we can't avoid controlling the controllable and have success if that's really a part of the problem. The other thing, because you can still get people who are resistant, I give people an out. And we're going to talk about this with food allergy next week as well. It's really important to give people an out. 
just to really show that you truly care about seeing their pet get better. And what do I mean by giving them an out? So I think sometimes people think we're just, you know, making stuff up for the sake of selling a product or, you know, I'm not sure why people think we just make up the pet could have a flea allergy dermatitis, but they say they're hesitant, still hesitant. Because I always start out by saying, and again, we're going to talk about this with food allergy too, because actually a lot of the hesitations on both of these topics can mirror each other. I always start out by saying, we are always going to do what you feel comfortable with because that's their out, right? If I give them all the facts and all the information, the end of the day, I cannot force them to do something they do not want to do. If they do not want to buy the product, if they do not want to put a sample on their pet, I cannot force them to do that. I can give them the facts. I can try to be as convincing as possible for the sake of their pet, but I cannot make them do it. It gives them that out. The other out I'll give people is time frame. So I wouldn't just say one month of flea control because sometimes it actually does take a couple of months of having all the pets on good quality flea control in order to fully get uh, control and a handle on that environment. But I usually will have owners commit to like three months. So I'm like, okay, I know that, you know, we're hesitant and I understand right? Empathize. I understand. They're not educated like we are about fleas and flea allergy and environment. So we have to take that in consideration. I understand why owners think it's confusing that we're saying, put your pet on flea control for an indoor cat that never goes outside and you don't see fleas. I get that. I get why that's confusing. So I'll have them commit to, you know, three to four months. Give me three to four months. Let's put them on this. Let's control the other things we need to control like infection, you know, itch temporarily. And let's see if it makes a difference. At the end of the day, it doesn't fully make a difference. We can reevaluate. Because if we do really do start it and they feel like it has not helped at all and we've done everything appropriately. Now remember, it could just be part of the problem. So that doesn't mean they'll get off everything. But a lot of times what will have happen is, you know, maybe we start the medications for atopic dermatitis too, but, um, and we control that, but they completely quit licking and chewing their belly, even though there's some polyking we need to get through if we stop their allergy itch control. So, you know, be really thoughtful of exactly what we're trying to control here because they could have multiple allergies. But if we see improvement, great, they'll understand it. If we don't see improvement, let's re let's reevaluate and talk about it. So that takes down the guard a lot for some of my owners. If I give the out of, hey, final say is yours, but let me just give you the information I have. And then also, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Try it for a few months. Let's see if it helps. And let's just see and go from there and work with the owners instead of against them. And that's how I feel. You know, most owners, I will get to do it because I take the time to explain it. I give them the out. I go through why it's important. I have also previously had, my previous dog was flea allergic and I would tell him I never saw a flea. You know, she was white and brindle and I would see her licking and chewing her rump in her belly and realize I missed my flea control because guess what? I have two young kids and life is busy and it happens. So it's also just showing that I have lived and breathed this. I have missed flea control. Life happens. We're all crazy busy. Um, we're trying to navigate a lot, including a chronic disease, and that helps too. The final thing I have to say, um, and hopefully this has been helpful as far as like my little spiel on more tips of how I get through my spiel because it's different for every owner. Some I don't have to dive in as much and it's a waste of time. Some I really do have to dive in and we have to step-by-step do things like let's just get you on flea control and that will be a win today. You are not going to win all of these cases. 
it's, I mean, I don't win all of these cases. I have some, and, and I also would say don't give up. So if you have someone who declines and they come in again and same problems, be like, you know, I know we've talked about this before. And again, we're always going to do you feel good about, but I'm still worried that the flea allergy is contributing to a lot of your pet's discomfort. And sometimes it takes me like the second or third recheck to really get people to say, okay, and then it makes a huge difference. Um, some, it's almost like an ongoing joke. You know, owners do everything I say. They come in, we talk about it, Like, I know, I know, I know, but I'm still not going to do it. And what do you do? Like, then you just have to say, okay. You know, it's like at the end, again, it's your choice. Um, but you're not going to win them all. But do not give up. As the doctor, you can do it in a very tactful way, in a very um, not, you know, aggressive way of just saying, hey, I care. I've seen this clinically all the time. I just really want to make sure we're keeping your pet in mind. And so I find that really helpful. So I really hope this is something that's helpful for you guys as far as the flea allergy spiel per se. You know, why are you seeing it? Because of the pattern of distribution. That's really important to point out to owners. Um, why is it important for all pets to be in the ho- in the household to be on it, to limit exposure for that pet, even if their other pets aren't itchy? I'm not saying that your pet, your house has an infestation, that we live in an environment where these ectoparasites are really everywhere. We often don't see them unless there's an infestation. You know, if we are seeing them, that's the tip of the iceberg. We know a lot of times the populations in the household are mostly eggs that are kind of hanging around and sitting around um, in carpets and furniture, cracks, doorways, things like that. So it's really important, again, for us to control the controllable. So what we have left over for your pet symptoms, we can really focus on appropriately. So next week, we're going to go over food allergy spiel, which you'll probably see some similarities. But I really hope you guys found this beneficial as you talk to owners about the importance of managing flea allergy dermatitis.